All right. Hello and welcome on to another episode of the ISO Ball Podcast with your host, Derek Terrio, your place to learn about the NBA on and off the court. So we've got our first four-way pod. This is hella exciting. So with me today, I got Nico Monez, Alex Azevedo, and Nick Raponi and myself. And we're going to do some awards this time around. I've been off for, you know, a few weeks. There's a a crazy lack of NBA content going around with this COVID-19 stuff. So we're just going to go and assume that the season has ended today after, you know, 64 some odd games. And we're just going to run through uh, our awards. Uh, first, before we start, how, how are you guys holding up with this, with this COVID stuff? How, how, how are y'all surviving this lack of NBA going on right now? Barely. Yeah. Barely I'm, surviving. It's been brutal. I mean, it's been no brutal. NBA, no soccer, no nothing. It's, it, it's 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 not happening very well but you know i'm getting there this pod's gonna help you know i <laughs> definitely enjoyed the research aspect of this you know kind of got me back into it but yeah it's it's been tough yeah i i've been like watching like old games like old like ridiculous highlights from like players i didn't even know like were on certain teams like like i've been watching like chris paul highlights from like 2011 clippers and like i was like oh my god i forgot how good he was like that sort of stuff which is good like old games that nba is re-airing has been good uh like recently i watched uh kobe 65 against the blazers in overtime that one was pretty ridiculous so yeah so that's pretty much how i've been surviving um you know i'm missing sorry go ahead nick one thing that i can't stand though people live tweeting events that already happened like i know what's happening (laughs) yeah 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 that does drive me nuts that does drive me nuts i totally agree uh, all right, cool. So let's, let's kind of dive into it here. So we're doing an awards pod. Um, some of the awards that we are going to get into right now are MVP. Uh, I think that's, uh, I think that's pretty obvious. Sorry, the zoom screen is still up. Uh, rookie of the year, defensive player of the year, most improved six man of the year, coach of the year and all NBA um, I think let's, uh, let's kind of get the obvious one or ones I should say, uh, out of the way. And let's start with MVP. Um, so most, this might not be as obvious to me. This was, uh, this was pretty obvious. And I went with Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, over LeBron James. Uh, not to say that LeBron James didn't have a strong case, especially at 35 years old, year 17, the narrative is definitely there for them or for him, I should say. But uh, with being the Bucks record, Giannis's defensive play and the gap between him uh, and LeBron on that end, uh, even if you think that the offensive case is close, I think the defensive case just takes Giannis over the top uh, by a significant margin. Uh, do you guys agree or do any of you got LeBron? I got Giannis. I got LeBron. You got LeBron. Okay, state we're, your case. We're talking LeBron James. All right, <laughs> listen. You want to talk most valuable player to their team? It's not even most valuable player to their team. Most valuable player in the NBA is LeBron James. You put him anywhere, and that guy balls out and wins. Look at the game two weeks before the season ended. Uh, Bucks Lakers. LeBron shut down Giannis, took it to the Bucks, and they took that game. Giannis on the defensive end, I will give you, he is better on LeBron. Let's keep that conversation for defensive player of the year. Let's keep MVP where it belongs, and that's in LeBron James because he's playing like it this year. This guy is, look at, look at other guys drafted in the same year. Carmelo Anthony, where is he? He's getting back in the league now, Portland. Not much. Dwayne Wade, retired. Chris Bosh, unfortunate, but he's out there as well. Darko Milicic, he's gone. But LeBron James has proved the test of time, and he's back this year, and he finally has a good supporting cast with Anthony Davis, and they're making magic together. I give him my MVP this year over Giannis because, frankly, Giannis, you know, James Harden said it best. All you got to do is run and dunk, man. It's not hard. 
if I was that big and that strong, I'd do the same thing. Oh my God. Okay, two things. I can't believe you referenced Darko Milicic in this conversation. That <laughs> might have been the most asinine thing I've heard in my entire life. Um, but okay, fair enough. So, I mean, I didn't think I was going to have to pull up the comparison tool on NBA.com, but here we are. Um, so listen, I think the thing that uh, that takes uh, Giannis over the top. Actually, you know what? Before I go on, uh, Alex and Nick, did you guys have Giannis or did you guys have LeBron? I got, I got I got Giannis. He's got more points, more rebounds, best record NBA. I just and he doesn't have like the cast that like LeBron does have. He doesn't have Anthony Davis. Don't get me wrong. He has Chris Middleton. He's like he's got players around him. But if you're talking about most valuable, and I hear LeBron. LeBron's been dominating the league, but I'm not factoring his age. I'm talking about this year, and Giannis is getting it done. Best record NBA, and he's most valuable player on his team. No, no. I agree with you guys in a sense that if there was an, if this was the offensive player of the year award, like they have in the NFL, they have offensive player of the year and MVP offensive player, hundred percent Giannis Antetokounmpo. But guys you, are no, no, no. Giannis could win defensively. You could argue he's defensive player of the year. You can. No, 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 no. You definitely can argue that too. And listen, that'll come back around. What I'm just saying is for MVP, most valuable player, not the best offensive player, not the best defense, the most valuable player to their franchise is LeBron James this year no so, yeah, you, you have an argument but I, I just i'm with alex like all those stats and derek all those stats like 29.6 points a game 13.7 rebounds right assists and one of the best defensive players in the game best yep. record in the nba that's right. what I that's fair, fair points they're fair points all around I, I i understand so i think the one thing that we forget here is that Giannis is not even playing – he's playing less than 31 minutes per game. LeBron is at 34.9. Giannis yeah. at 30.9. So uh, Giannis is actually playing four minutes less than LeBron per game. So if we look at per 36 minutes and, uh, and making things even – I'm just pulling up the tool right now. If we look at per 36, we're looking at Giannis at 34.5 points per game to yeah. LeBron's 26.5 we're looking at uh, Giannis's 16 rebounds per game to so LeBron's eight. Uh, LeBron still has him significantly in assists at 11 to 6.7. Uh, and uh, LeBron actually beats him in steals just by a little bit. Uh, also, I think uh, Giannis's efficiency has been crazy ridiculous. Um, I am going to give Giannis some credit uh, for developing a three-pointer uh, that has somewhat come around this year as opposed to just not being a shooter, you know, whatsoever. You know, the true shooting for Giannis is at 62 Point four, where uh, Le um, uh, sorry, uh, my apologies. The true shooting for Giannis is sixty point eight, where LeBron's fifty eight point two. Uh, Giannis's usage is also six points higher. Uh, usage rate being, you know, the amount of times a player either attempts a field goal, a free throw, or turns it over. So six per, uh, six points higher than LeBron in the usage. So he's uh, shouldering more of a load than LeBron James and doing it at a more efficient rate. So, I mean, that's my argument for Giannis. And I think I said it before, like, even if you want to argue uh, that the offensive, uh, the offensive portion of things, uh, you know, can swing toward LeBron, it would be just barely. And then we get to the defensive side and things get blown out of the water. So that's, that's my argument for Giannis. I think he's, he's been more efficient. Um, he hasn't done it in as he's done it in less minutes and put up similar production to LeBron in four less minutes per game. And his defense has been uh, astronomically better than LeBron James. I'm willing to go that far. Although LeBron has been much improved defensively this year. I'll give him that. You hit the nail on the head. He plays less minutes because his team doesn't need him to play more minutes because they blow out the team so quickly. 
You know what I mean? He's got a great team behind him. His team, his, his supporting cast is very underrated. Of course, Chris Middleton, he gets the praise he wants, but that whole cast that. as well plays their role, part and their role beautifully. Giannis Lopez is unreal. Lopez Absolutely. is Giannis doesn't need to play those high amount of minutes, which tells me, you never know, if he, per 36, we tell him he starts playing more minutes, opens up to injury, opens up a whole can of worms that we don't have to open up because it doesn't happen. LeBron right. in his 8 millionth season is still averaging almost four more minutes than one of the best players in the league, which is crazy to me. He's doing all of this at his age is insane. It is. I don't, I don't disagree with that. In, in a much tougher Western conference. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the big difference for me was the game against the Bucks and Lakers two weeks before everything went down. I think two or three weeks before. I can't remember the exact. No, I know the game you're talking about. Yeah. LeBron dominated Giannis it wasn't close he shot you know I think Giannis shot two for 11 or something like that I don't remember the exact numbers don't quote me it was about two for 11 Giannis shot and the Lakers went on to the easy win it's that game right there that in my mind LeBron's the MVP yeah I mean you, you make you make good compelling points the head-to-head is uh clearly something we have to factor in no doubt about it um and you know I I would say I would say I agree with you I'd say uh LeBron probably did get the best of Giannis in that matchup and has at, at the very least held his own in any other. Um, so I'm not, uh, I'm not doubting you there. Have they played twice this year? They have, right? The Lakers and Bucks. I think they played twice this year. At least I, once. I can't, I can't remember. I know for sure it was the one yeah, game was a sure. few weeks before, was with a few weeks before all this closed up. Um, oh yeah, they did. They did play another time. Cause I remember watching it before I went on my cruise. I think the Bucks won that game, but again, I remember LeBron playing well in that game as well. Um, so yeah, no, I, I don't doubt what you're saying, Nico. Uh, I think, I, I think LeBron does make a compelling case to say that this race is like not even close. I think is a little unfair. Um, I think that's going a little far and taking it uh, to be too much, but um I, I don't know, man. It's, it's hard for me to overlook, you know, what Giannis has done uh, and the fact that, you know, he's leading his team on pace uh, to, uh, you know, almost 70 wins, just under 70 win pace he was at. And it reminds me a lot of 15, uh, 16 uh, Curry, right? Like where the, his teams were blowing out teams so badly that he, they didn't even need to play in the fourth quarter and they were on pace for 70 wins. And it was, and it was Curry as a unanimous MVP, uh, putting up a lot of the same numbers now doing it in a different way. Obviously efficiency was up for Curry because of his, you know, his threes and uh, you know, what was mo- most likely I would say a better roster than the bucks at that time and uh, all that stuff. But, um, but the but it, it's eerily similar in terms of the profile uh, the MVP profile where they're blowing out teams. They're on pace for, you know, almost 70 wins and uh the, the MVP is not playing to his full potential because he doesn't even get a chance to. And uh, I, I would be hard pressed to use that as an argument against Giannis that um, he's not playing as many minutes as LeBron because, you know, his team is too good. I'm, I'm not a big fan of that argument, but nonetheless, I do respect, uh, uh, I do respect your points for LeBron there as I think that they're very valid. Yeah. I think it's still a two man race. Like it's not a runaway for Giannis, but I still think it's like 75% of the votes. I think 70% of the votes would go to, be honest that'd be my guess i i would uh somewhat agree i don't i don't know how the vote distribution works no no i mean if i think yeah it's a number fair enough okay uh i think let's move on that one's two man i agree all right we're gonna go to another one that i think is you know fairly obvious maybe not to some but to me and i think to us uh rookie of the year um i had john morant does anybody else not have john morant or i should should i say does anybody else have zion williamson jaw I have jaw. I mean, I have jaw. It's just unfortunate the season ended twenty if, games earlier. If the season played the extra twenty or eighteen games it was, and Zion kept it going, 
I still think it's Jaw because he played the whole season. Zion's only at what nineteen games right now. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. It's per- personally, I think it should be Zion because you know what? No matter what the is, he played, came in those nineteen NBA games and just dominated. Uh, <laughs> like he's he's been putting up he's been putting up crazy numbers for rookies, and I think it should be him. But Jaw deserves it for playing the whole season right. and playing at the level yeah. he has. This does <laughs> remind me. Sorry, go ahead, Nick. I was just gonna say, look at the Grizzlies, how well they're doing though, too, right? That's like, true. Been, yep. they that jaw hasn't been a big part of that. So I think oh, yeah. they're a tough team for sure. That, you, that culture, that culture is 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 reinventing. You know, they used to be the grit and grind Grizzlies. Now Jaw, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., Dylan, all those guys, they're coming in, they're making a new culture, and they're they're making that team a scary team. Yeah, sure. absolutely. We'll talk about coach of the year later, but Taylor Jenkins definitely's got a got a some some uh can taylor jenkins the coach there yeah yeah, yes, yeah, correct. yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. he, he deserves some some looks that's for sure yeah I, I agree with that this actually reminds me a lot of uh the year malcolm brogdon won against uh joel Embiid because Embiid played like what like 33 games and brogdon played a lot the difference between this though um where i think zion has a very similar case to Embiid. Ja Morant is a way better rookie of the year than Malcolm Brogdon was. I mean, oh, this dude is like, yeah. this dude is actually crazy. Like, uh, like I think before when me and Nick did a pod on, um, you know, rookies, I, I made the statement that rookies are never efficient. Well, whoops. Cause, <laughs> cause Ja is so efficient. He's oh, at yeah. like, he's at above average two shooting, uh, above average uh, of the league usage you know, almost 50% from the field taking like 13 and a half shots per game. Uh, he's got a better than a two to one assist to turnover ratio. Like dude, jaw has been so damn good. Like he is ridiculous. He's a baller. So he's it's, guy's a, the guy's a gamer, man. He's the a guy, gamer. The guy can play. He's athletic. He's got the off the dribble game. He's got, he's got everything in the bag and his bag is so polished already for a rookie. Uh, that it's it's just ludicrous like how how good right. it is so so, uh, so is this is this unanimous then jaw yeah yeah, yeah. I I think one other thing though before we move on he's not like i don't have him winning but some points i think kendrick nunn's been great he's not he, he was my third, third. Yeah. he was my third yeah. he was my third as well and i had eric paschal fourth uh just to just for the mental exercise to see how deep i could go with this what's what's been a considerably weak rookie class i would say all things, uh, considered, all things considered because you know kendrick nunn undrafted eric paschal second rounder i mean yeah i don't no, think weak, weak, weak rookie class and we'll all forget about it next year because next year is going to be even even weaker class okay well that's another pod that's that, that's another pod for sure that's another pod but uh you, you might be okay there all right let's move on defensive player of the year i think we're gonna have some disagreements here and i'm excited yeah. um okay I don't want to be the one to go first. Somebody else who, who I'll take it. Okay, go ahead. I got Giannis. I got Giannis for MVP. I got Giannis for defensive. Um, When I was was doing my research, I was checking. When opponents are shooting on him, when he's guarding them, 41.9%. That's the best in the NBA. And Milwaukee is the best defensive team. And I'm giving a lot of the credit to Giannis, but don't get me wrong. Brooke Lopez is there. He was one of my top five guys for defensive player of the year. Like, Milwaukee's a very good team. Giannis covers a lot of positions, point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward. I just think he's just most, like, the most dominant defensive player right now. When people are going against them, they're not getting success, unless it was LeBron James a couple of weeks ago. But besides from that, 
for not having success when they're on. You could love to hear that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it's it's defensive player of the year to me is another race between Lakers versus Bucks. Just instead of yep, Giannis yeah. versus LeBron, it's Giannis versus Anthony Davis. I think it'd be really cool for Giannis to become the first player. I forget who's last one to win it. Who it was won Jordan MVP and Deep Point. It was Jordan, right? Yeah, it was Jordan. Jordan. Keen are the was only the last one. Yeah, to, to win MVP and defensive player of the year. I think it could happen this year. I know I said LeBron, but like you guys said, Giannis probably will win the MVP. If he can win defensive player of the year too, it'd be very cool. But again, I think it's a two-man race between Giannis and Anthony Davis with Rudy Gobert slightly there because he defended the whole world from seeing the rest of the season. <laughs> Oh my God. I, you know, I knew that joke was coming. I knew it. Oh my God. You know, like I forgot about it. And then like, you just put it up there. I was like, Oh my God. Uh, that's, that's pretty funny, Nico. Um, so Nico, Nico, do you have Giannis as well? I do have Giannis. I have, I thought no one would. I, thought no, no one would. I, I have him. Oh, oh I Nick's have him got over AD. AD. I, I, I would leave Nick to argue AD, but I could definitely see there being an argument for it and it could go either way in my mind. I'm leaning Giannis just because I went, uh, LeBron and MVP. I got to give Giannis something this year, right? He's got to win something. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Nick. Argue, uh, okay. argue AD. All right. My reasoning for AD, Lakers are now a top five defensive team in the NBA. Yeah, they're third, it, correct. Let's be real. AD is the best defensive player on that team. So um, I think hands that's down. It. Yep, that's fair. He's an elite rim protector. Like we were talking about him being considered a five earlier. He is a four, but you could consider him a five. And for a guy his size, he guards the perimeter pretty damn well. Like, so I think all things considered, it's AD. Just because of how good the Lakers' D is this year, what he does for that defense on both the paint and the perimeter. And, yeah, that's the reason I got it. It's just he's helped transform that Lakers' D to a new – like a new team. And he's always – another – I know this isn't fair, but it kind of goes back to, like, kind of the stuff Nico was saying. AD's never won a defensive player of the year. And for a guy that elite of a defensive player, I think this is the year. He gets his award this year. Okay. Fair, fair argument. I mean – I, um, you know, I watched a little bit of film. Um, a lot of what Alex said, I think is, I think is fair. The fact that uh, Giannis can be trusted to guard at least four positions, possibly five. Um, yeah. And I, I took a look, I went into the, you know, NBA defensive dashboard uh, tracking or whatever the hell you want to call it, which I, which to be fair, can be a little bit murky. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of things that aren't really considered in these stats. Um, but there is, you know, some stuff that stands out. Uh, a lot of, and a lot of that stuff is the fact that, you know, around the rim, uh, in terms of defense, uh, Giannis, uh, based on these statistics proves to be just a lot better. Um, so with less than when shots are, you know, shot against, uh, Anthony Davis with less than six feet, uh, anything less than six feet, uh, yeah, or sorry, AD allows a 50% field goal percentage Giannis 42 that like, that's a significant amount of difference. Anything less than 10 feet. Giannis allows 41% field goal percentage, AD 47. Uh, that's significant. And anything from 15 feet uh, and above, uh, Giannis allows a 31.7% field goal percentage, AD about 31. So AD a little bit better from 15 feet and beyond. But from what matters from the guys at this position, which is, you know, anything from 10 feet to the, to the rim, uh, you know, 50% for AD at less than 10 feet or at less than six feet. 47% at less than 10 feet. And then Giannis is at 42 at less than six feet yeah. and 40 at less than 10 feet. Yeah, so I mean, just, 
I was like, Giannis has like five, six inches on every guy he covers as well. So that helps with the contests as well. I'm Fair enough. Like, Fair like, enough. But his versatility, his versatility to be able to guard those guys is also, also counts. And, sure. uh, you know, not to say that AD can't switch or anything like that. I'm not saying that at all, but just the fact that you can do that and feel comfortable about it. Like I haven't, I haven't watched deep enough into the Lakers, you know, pick and roll coverage to see if they're willing to switch AD on the guards often or how they want to play that. I haven't, I didn't go that deep, but to me, I think I've seen enough of Giannis guarding, uh, a myriad of other players where uh, I think it's, I think it's very fair to say that he's comfortable guarding at least four positions, possibly right. five. Um, and I think that he's just been a more impactful defender on a more impactful defense in the Bucks. The Bucks are, you know, four points better on yes. defense than the second the best Bucks team. The Bucks also have Middleton, they have Lopez. Who else can you name that's that good of a defensive player in the Lakers? No. Uh, Danny Green, Alex okay, Caruso, Dwight Lowe. Howard, on, LeBron James. All those guys are great defenders. What do you mean? They're, they're listen, not at the level of Lopez listen. or Middleton. That's not even a question. No, but I named, I named five of them. You named two. Can, okay, can I bring up a point? AD means so much more to his team defensively than Young's. Can, can I, I would disagree player of the year, not defensive team of the year. But I would disagree with that no. statement. No, can I, I, think can I, can I, can I bring more... up a point that I brought up on the ISO ball pod last time I was on it? Oh, I love who, that. Go ahead. Who cares about defensive player of the year? We're, oh, in a I do. League, we're in a league where these players are scoring at will. They're scoring way more than ever before. So, yeah, you're good at defense, but you're still getting put up. Your team's getting 100 points on you every game. Who cares about defensive player of the year? It, well, it's, 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 it's an award to me that's irrelevant now. I don't care about it. There's it's not as relevant as it used to. I'll give you that. I, I, that's what I'm saying. It's not as relevant as it used to be. Why are we even talking about it? Well, maybe it's not as relevant, but it's just because the circumstances have changed. I mean, there's all, the pace is a lot higher. There's a lot more possessions per game, which will explain the scoring. A lot of guys are – it's a pace and space league now. So all five, at least four of your guys, are likely to be able to shoot three-pointers, which, you know, the points per possession on every possession is going to be higher. And there's more of them, which explains the scoring. And I would argue the other way, too, is that if you're Defensive Player of the Year – it means you've been impactful in a league that's catered against what's supposed to be your skill set. So you're the league is trying to actively dis, uh, you know, give defenders a disadvantage. So if you prove to be defensive player of the year, that's not because, Oh, he was, uh, you know, uh, an overall, like, you know, a below average, you know, defender in uh, a league that where he's putting up 120 points per, per game. No, it means you've been able to defend in a league that has clearly put in rules in place to disadvantage you as a defender. So I think that, I, I, I don't dis I, I don't uh, agree that you know it's a less impactful award. I just think the circumstances have changed and we have to adjust our expectations given the way the league has gone. I don't think it necessarily says anything about the way that uh, you know defensive player of the year is valued. It's just the rules as a defender have changed. And so you have to play defense differently, but I don't think that lowers the impact of the award in my opinion. You both make valid points for sure. Yeah. I, um, I, I'm not a big fan. It's all it is. It's okay. just, it's, it's, de it's defense. You know what? Mark is smart to me. There's a lot of great, um, better defensive players that just don't put up the rebounds, the blocks, all those numbers because they don't right. get taken on. You know what I mean? It's the p position. If you're a point guard, that's an elite defender. You're not getting targeted every night because they'll give the ball to the star players, usually a shooting guard, small board, whatever to attack you. So you don't have the option sure. to put up those numbers. So I just think it's a very hard award to distinguish. And especially in this league, I don't know how important it is. Honestly, it's one of my least important awards that they give out at award season. So one I care. And I think the other thing that we uh, we for uh, um, that we tend to overlook is that we don't really have the numbers to judge defense like we do offense. Like I feel like defense is a lot more of untracked stuff. Like did you blow up a handoff? Like. 
that there's no stat for that. Like, did you defend the pick and roll? Well, like, did you force a tough shot on the perimeter? Like, yeah, maybe there's some like minuscule stats to be able to like go grab that. But like overall, like all we really have is like blocks and steals and, you know, defensive value over replacement, but like mostly it's just the eye test. Like that's really what we have. So, I mean, that's for for whatever that is. Um, Okay. So we had, Giannis and AD one and two, uh, you know, respectively, who did you guys have as, as your third or fourth, or did you guys even go uh, that deep and just felt it was a two guy race? I told you Rudy, Rudy Gobert. I had Rudy Gobert third. And I think Nick, we agree. I had, uh, um, I had Brooke Lopez four. Yeah. Brooke Lopez four. I had Lopez four. I I, I had Marcus Smart four. Interesting. Okay. I like that. No, I'm not going to disagree with that at all. I think he's been, uh, I think we didn't do our all defensive teams, but if he did, if we did, I think he would be uh, He's a on at on least second sure. team and or most likely first team. I, I agree. Yeah, I'm with you there. Okay, let's move on. Most improved player. We got a few candidates for this, and I think you know I said we were going to disagree last time, but I think we're going to disagree this time. I, I think. Yeah. Okay, my most improved player this year is Brandon Ingram. Does yeah, anybody he disagree? Second. He was my second. I disagree. He was my second. Love it. it. Yes. Okay. So let's go. Let's go uh, left to right. Nico, who was yours? Uh, So Ingram is my third, not even my second. Okay. Beautiful. My second, my second, I have Bam Adebayo as my second. I like it. And my first, well, at first honorable mention to Shy Gilgis Alexander. Okay. Uh, He's, he's improved greatly. And to me, all these guys that I'm naming, except sorry, Ingram and Tatum, or sorry, my number one is Jason Tatum. Interesting. Okay. Most, most improved. This guy has taken his game, not only to another level, He's taken it to another stratosphere on a great Celtics team. He's yeah. increased his points per game by over eight points. He's increased his blocks. He's increased his assists. He's increased his total rebounds. He's like, the guy's gone to another level. He's more efficient this year, and he's on the Boston Celtics, who are a great team. You know what I mean? He's not doing sure. these numbers on a crappy team. So to hey, me, Jason like Tatum, it. Tatum has been that guy. Ingram, to me, yeah, he's gone to another level this year, but he should have been on this level last year and the year before. He's finally getting there, and yeah, we should recognize him, but he's doing it on a Pelicans team that he was, he was put into that role. He's going to put up those numbers. We all know Brandon Ingram was capable of this. Coming into the draft, we all saw the player he was. He brought the, the comparisons to Kevin Durant scoring-wise, and now he's the number one on the team because Zion wasn't there, and he put up those numbers. I wasn't surprised to see him. Good for him, and he has improved, but I think you got to look at Jason Tatum and even Bam Adebayo before him in most improved this year. Can I ask you a question? And sure. with that, with that uh, analogy that, you know, we should have seen this coming, this should have been there the whole time. Can't we make that same argument about Jason Tatum? That's what Tatum? I was thinking. Yeah, 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 100%. And Jason Tatum was good last year. Don't get me wrong. Like, he was ve- a very good player this I year. Agree. And now this year, he's even better. You know what I mean? He's keep, he keeps elevating his game. Whereas Brandon Ingram has come out of nowhere this year as that guy because he has not shown this at any of his previous years when he was in L.A. He hasn't shown this at all. And this is the first year when he's put into that number one scorer's role on the New Orleans Pelicans, and he's doing numbers that we all thought he could have been doing at when he was drafted to the Lakers. So I, I, good for him. Don't, I don't want to take anything away from him. I just think for most improved, you got to look at guys that are bettering themselves and doing different things each and every year. And to me, that's Jason Tatum and Bam Adebayo, who's just a crazy story. Like that guy, like that's such a good I story. I hope one of those two win. Um, I, I could see Ingram winning as well. And again, too, you know what? Shy, Shy Gilgis Alexander, I know he's Canadian, so I'm kind of biased, but the guy's <laughs> done some great numbers this yeah, year. Like he's I up nine, point, nine points per game. He's up, in, uh, up by four rebounds. Like it's crazy. The guys are playing very well and he needs to be recognized. Is he in the top three? I don't know, but shout out to Shy. Okay, I'll make my argument for Jason Tatum in a second. Uh, Nick, who did you have as your number one? 
I got Bam number one. Number two, I had Ingram. Number three, I had Dennis Schroeder. Interesting. Okay, make your make your argument for Bam because uh, you know Nico mentioned him in passing, but I want to hear the argument for Bam because there is there is a good one. Mm-hmm. For me, Bam, it's just what he does for that team. Firstly, I just want to mention he brings up the ball. Not too many fives you see bring up the ball sometimes. See, I'm not saying he does it all the time, but he does it sometimes. Right. He went from eight point nine points per game to sixteen point two points per game, and I know usage is up and everything like that too. But right. Bam sure. went from seven point three rebounds to ten point five rebounds. And the big one here, he went from 2.2 assists to 5.1 assists per game. So, Bam, he don't, he's doing a lot for you on the court. Miami's doing well, and his improvements are just staggering to me. That's why he has the edge. And, and I want to build on that, too. He was a center the past last year. This year, he's played center and power forward a lot. So, mm-hmm. switching positions, That's too, true. and still putting up these numbers in a small ball league is so impressive. For sure. That's I why agree. I got Bam. And that to that point, too, Nico, that's, for me, what Bam's not only have his numbers just skyrocketed, just what he's done for the team. And that's why he's my most improved player. Alex, who you got? Okay, I got Luka Dantage. Ah, you know what? He was my number two. I like that you picked up the argument. Okay, now you guys are saying points for, like, Tatum was eight better, Bam was eight better. Luka Dantage went from 21 to 30.1. He went from 7.8 rebounds to 10.1. He went from 6 to 9.5. He's almost averaging a triple-double. He was nowhere. He's been so much better. And he does have a, like, his team is not that bad. He's got Porzingis now. Bam has got Jimmy Butler. Tatum has a good team around him. So I can see why their stats are a little less better than Lucas because Lucas is the star on his team. But even right now, they're saying that I believe they're seventh place, but they're tied for like fifth place, same round of wins 40 wins, 40 wins, 42. So they're right there. Like they're, especially the tough Western Conference, Luca has it. He's just basically averaging a triple double, and he was nowhere near that the season before. So I just think he's improved in the three point percentage, field goal percentage. I just feel like his I, overall I love, game. I like that. I like. That I love. A lot. I love Luca. I love Luca. Just my mm. opinion. You can't win most improved in your second year. I feel like you have to play at least three years before you can be eligible for it. I know it's not the rules. Just in my head, mm-hmm. you got to have more than one year to be most improved because we want to see you over time get that way. And to me, that's at least three years in the league. That's my only issue with that. Nico, I tend to I tend to agree with that, but Luca made such a jump, like a, such a jump that like I threw those rules like right out the window. Like I threw <laughs> right out the window. I'm sorry, I threw right out the window. He was just so good, but he he didn't win it for me. It was it was Brandon Ingram, and you know another thing for uh, as a point for Luca, you know Dallas has the best offense in the NBA. I like best, people don't really realize that, but NBA they have history. Yeah. Like they're well, going to the, gonna beat the 2015, 16 warriors in offensive rating. I do. I, I'm not sure if they're still on pace for that. I think that was when they were at 118. right now. They're at 115.8 per hundred possessions. That's more than two points better than the second place Houston Rockets. So like that gives you perspective, like, and this is Luca running that offense. So oh, yeah. I, I love, I, I love that pick. Right. I'm glad Alex that you picked them. I want to go back to my argument here for Brandon Ingram, uh, Brandon Ingram, you know, obviously the six points per game better, you know, is great. You know, the true shooting going up 4% is, is great. The usage going up another five points is great. But I think the thing that we like fail to realize is I, I don't remember a player that has shot the ball better from year to year uh, than Brandon Ingram did this year. For, just for, for perspective, he went up five points in three-point percentage. He's taking much tougher looks as the primary option uh, over there in New Orleans. He's taking, you know, off the dribble shots, all that sort of stuff. And his percentage went up five points as well. So he went from 1.8 attempts last year to 6.3 this year. And his percentage went from 33 last year to 38.7 this year. So he bumped up his attempts, like, uh, more, like about five attempts per game. And his percentage went up five points 
and he's taking tougher shots. Like, what more do you want? And, and I know, like, I don't want to disparage the Pelicans because I was high on them coming in this year. I like Lonzo Ball. I like J.J. Redick. I like Drew Holiday. But for Brandon Ingram to come in here with those three guys and just say, no, 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 I'm going to be the go-to guy on this team. Forget all of you guys. And to come in here and to just where he necess- wasn't necessarily his place to be the number one scorer and just take over that role with the efficiency that he has, uh, I think he's just been absolutely fantastic. And that's, that's, uh, that's pretty much my case for him is that his, his shooting from year to year has been nearly unprecedented. Did you know he was shooting 67% from the free throw line last year and he's shooting 85 this year? Like, no, his, his growth, his growth is great. And he has improved leaps and bounds, but again, it's not like he was good last year and improved even better this year. He wasn't that great the past few seasons. I mean, he's put up decent points for games everywhere, but you said his number, his efficiency, all his, his free throws was terrible. Like he, he wasn't a great player last year. So yeah, he's a great, a good to great player now on a below average team, but eh, eh, I don't know. You know, I just can't I guess, get it to I it guess in my, my head. I guess just my preconceived notions don't factor in to my year to year jump. Like I, I, I guess to me, like, to me, it's not about like, oh, you should have been good last year. And, and oh, now you're doing it this year. Oh, finally. Like, I just don't look at that look at it like that for any single player. Like to me, like I just judge you based on what I've seen from year to year. Like my preconceived notions of what you should have been or what, who you should be or how you like, you know, how the people view you. That really doesn't matter to me. To me, it's only, I view it from year to year. And to be fair, um, you know, he really didn't have a chance to succeed to his full potential last year because of the fact that LeBron just kind of came in there and, you know, kind of took over what was supposed to be him as the leading scorer. Like, remember, it was, you know, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram. And then after that, yeah. like, you're looking at like, well, like Julius Randle and all these other guys that, you know, clearly are just not number one options. That was his role, you know, to, to factor in. So the fact that he just came in and took over like that role from him definitely stunted his growth at least a little enough that the, you know, the Lakers felt it was good to trade him. Um, so if you look at, you know, the improvement from what his role should have been in 17, 18 to what it is in 19, 20, like 17, 18, Brandon Ingram is more in the mold of what, you know, 19, 18, or sorry, uh, 19, 20 Ingram is now as a primary scorer. Right. And then if we look at that, like the numbers are even more drastic than they were, you know, the time before. So, you know, I, I, I don't want to get into it. I think I've made my case for Brandon Ingram, but I just think, think Ingram, over- sorry, you think Ingram because his points jumped up a lot and his free throw percentage and his free throw percentage, is that what you're basing it off? Let me so not just, not just the points, but also the efficiency um, the usage from last year and the fact that his three point percentage has jumped more than any other player that I can remember in, in recent memory. Like his, like, again, it's, it's not just the five, uh, you know, percent better. It's the fact that he's shooting five more attempts per game to get to that 5% better. And the fact that his shots are tougher because he's got the primary defender guarding him on a night to night basis. unlike last year where that guy would have been sticking LeBron. So the, between all of that, like you can see how, you know, a t- like uh, how the shooting has really jumped up a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of points. And obviously, yeah, the free throw shooting is there. His assists are up at least 1.5 as well. Assist percentage is up as well. So, you know, he's just become an all around better player to me. And yeah, maybe Nico does have a point that we probably should have seen this coming because, you know, Brandon Ingram was a number two pick, like out of Duke, like he was like that, that like next Kevin Durant is how everybody was touting him. But I just don't factor that in as much. And I just think that he's been, you know, low key, like one of the most improved players. And that's why yeah, I'm game. with you, Derek. He's my number two for all those reasons you said. And I want to point out something about Luca as well. 
like I know it's a totally different league, but Luca's been playing professionally since he was 16. So he's been playing against That's good right. for a long time. So, he's been playing big man ball. Like if you look at Jaw, his rookie numbers, you look at Luka Doncic, and we're all amazed what Jaw's doing. And Luka's numbers all better than more points and more rebounds than him yeah, and more absolutely. assists than Jaw. So I'm just, it's like, like you want to see Jaw next year now. For him to match Luka, he's got to get 27 points a game. Yeah. All right. of us did. Right. That, like that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. I think he's not going to, that's something he's not going to, I don't think he's going to accomplish. Maybe, maybe, but for Jaw, I, I can't see him jumping 10 points and jumping no. four rebounds, three assists. Like, what Luka is. No, you're, you're, you're right. Luka, Luka's made a huge leap this year. Um, I, I just stick with my opinion of this award that you have to play at least three years in the league to be okay. eligible for it. Just, be, just because, you know, after your rookie year, you're still in your sophomore season. Once your third season, that's when you know how much you've improved over the course of your career. I think two years is too small because we were all expecting Luka to do great things. Add Porzingis into that lineup. Luka might be hitting these same numbers last year in his rookie year, right? We don't know. Sure. You're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, also, uh, we're all Raptors fans here. Where did you guys have Pascal Siakam? I know he was on the trajectory to be re- uh, most improved player. I know this, the, the notion that winning it twice in a row is, you know, pretty much impossible given the narrative against you and all that stuff. But did you guys give him a look at all? As, uh, he, gave a top, he was top five for me. He's top five? Okay. Yeah, no, 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 no look because of the reason you said. He won it last year. Yeah. Um, I'm, not, I'm not giving a guy a most improved two years in a row. And honestly, if I'm Siakam, I don't want that award two years in a row. you got to no. go from most improved to into the MVP conversation. You don't want to stick in the most improved conversation two years in a row. That's garbage. I wouldn't yeah. want it if I was Siakam, sure. and I'm not giving it to him now. Yeah, sure. yeah I didn't that's really no problem. I mean, off the top of my head, he'd be a guy, I'd be like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, he's taking big leaps. But especially without Kawhi there and everything. But, like, after really digging into it, no, nah, I didn't really give him much of a look. Yep, I tend to agree. I just wanted to just kind of bring him up because I know he was on pace for that at the start of the year, and he did kind of fall off. I agree. All right, we mo- we're ready to move on? Six, yeah. man of- six man of the year. All right, we're going to disagree with this one too, and I love it. Okay, uh, I'll go first. My six man of the year is Dennis Schroeder. Does anybody have Dennis Schroeder as their six man of the year? Yes, we got one. Nick? Did Nick freeze? No, uh, my brother oh. did, though, if, if that counts. Okay. Okay, Nick, who, who did you have? Uh, Montrez. Montrez Ooh. and Alex? Montrez. Okay, Montrez was my actually my number two. Um, okay, I'll go ahead and state the case for Dennis Schroeder. Um, you know, Dennis Schroeder, it was in Nick's most improved category. Uh, and, you know, that, that's not by accident. You know, Dennis Schroeder uh, has really taken a leap this year. For one, he's playing – you know, in one of the best crunch time offenses in the NBA in that OKC lineup with uh, Paul, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Danilo Gallinari, uh, Dennis Schroeder, and Steven Adams. Now, I know, you know, Chris Paul is running a lot of that clutch offense. I get that. But Dennis Schroeder has low-key been very good. Uh, very you know, just, good. Just, very, very. You know, just, just by himself here. Uh, so, you know, he's, he, his efficiency is there. 59% true shooting is the highest. Uh, of his career, oh, sorry, I'm looking at Brandon Ingram, my bad. Whoops, sorry. <laughs> 57% true shooting is still the highest of his career by like five points. The usage is about uh, career average for him. But again, he 19 a game, you know, on 47% from the field, 38% from three, uh, which is the highest of his career. He's taking the most attempts of his career as well. Uh, you know, his assists are a little bit lower than he was in Atlanta, but he was more of a primary ball handler, you know, in Atlanta. And I think one of the things I like about Dennis Schroeder that uh, people kind of sleep on is I love Dennis Schroeder's defense, man. Dennis Schroeder, low-key, is a defender on the ball that I think most people don't realize. In a few of the Rockets games against 
against Houston. Dennis Schroeder is the guy picking up James Harden and doing a very good job against James Harden. He, he has very quick feet. You know, in the game that me and Nick went to against Detroit, he was pestering the ball 94 feet for their point guards against Detroit, making it so difficult. And he does this on a night-to-night basis. Um, so I think his defense is, you know, probably vastly underrated at this point. I think his efficiency has gone through the roof. He's playing on what is right now, I think, just outside of a top 10 offense, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they are currently – Oh, no, actually, they're 14th. Okay, so they're middle of the pack. But uh, it's, it's the best crunch time offense in the NBA. Uh, his three-point shooting has come along. He can still get to the rim. His first step is still one of the quickest in the league. Uh, I, I love what Dennis Schroeder's uh, done this year as a six-man, and he's the guy I got. So, so I'll, I'll jump in now since me and you both agree on Schroeder as a, before we get into the, uh, the other two with the argument on Harrell. Sure. Uh, Harrell's my third. Lou Williams, my my, Lou, Williams yeah. my, Lou Williams is my Lou Williams is my Lou Williams is my second, um, just for shades. And I'm a, I'm a big Vegas guy, like betting guy. So the top three, there's the three the three top leading odds makers have Lou Williams in first, Harold second, Schroeder third, and then literally it's a big gap until fourth. Like it's mm-hmm. it's a three man race by far. And what settles it for me is like Derek said, Schroeder's been playing another level this year. He's been he's been clutch on the bet coming off the bench for Oklahoma. And here's my biggest issue is that if you take Harrell off the Clippers or you take Lou Williams off the Clippers, they're still the Clippers. They're still gonna get their wins. They're still gonna be one of the best teams in the West. You it's take true. Schroeder off the Thunder, and that Thunder team is nowhere near as good as they it's could. Good point. Are. And that's I why I give him six man. I don't disagree with that. That's a good point. And, you know, to be fair, Montrez Harrell was my number two. Um, so it's not like he was out of the conversation for me. So state your, state your case for Montrez, uh, Nick, and then we'll go Alex. Or, yeah. or either one first, doesn't matter. And he can start off. You want to start, Alex? Or you want me to start? You can start off. Okay, yeah. For me, it's just look how good, look how good the Clippers are doing, A. And I think his contribution on both sides, both ends, uh, offense and defense is a big part of that. Like Trez you said, without him, the Clippers yeah. He's a great defensive player. And offensively, 18.6 points a game. Obviously not that much. And one point. Getting a little choppy here. No, okay. there, the defense is there, the team. Oh, Nick, you're chopping up on me, man. Yeah, yeah, Nick, slow, slow down a little bit. You're getting too excited about Harold as sixth man of the year. Your camera's <laughs> starting to get a little choppy. Yeah, there you go. I think you're back in. Let's go. Let's hear it. Internet right now. I don't know what it is. My internet's just terrible right now. It happened. Okay. Uh, no problem. Uh, All right, Alex, go and uh, give, your, give your case. Maybe Nick can figure out the internet in the meantime. Give it a shot. Um, like, it was a talk between Harold and Lou. Lou averages a slight bit more than Harold, but I think it's not fair to say that Harold is not as important to the Clippers. I feel like he comes off the bench, plays power forward, plays center off the bench, and he does play, like, like a lot of minutes coming off the bench, too. I think he is, like, he's very underrated defensively. His shooting, he's the best in the 59.2% from the floor. He can't, the shots he's getting, and he's not missing his chances when he gets them. So he does, when he comes to the bench, he doesn't miss his chances. He plays a lot of minutes. He averages seven rebounds, 18.6 points. So he averages just a little bit under Dennis Schroeder, yeah. But when he, he's taking less shots than Schroeder, and the, the Clippers are a better team, so I could see why that could factor a little less for him. But I think Harold is very, like, Harold's important to uh, the Clippers. Yeah, I, 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 I can see that argument. It uh, looks like Nick dropped out of the call. Hopefully he tries to get back in when he figures out his internet, just in case anyone's wondering. Okay. Um, but yes, you know, Harold 
is good. But my, when six player, the six man of the year, when it comes to me, I had, it's that guy that comes off the bench, puts in the buckets that need to be put in and then gets off. And that, and you know what, that's why we can't discredit Lou Will for this award too. Yeah. Lou Will has a very good chance of winning this award again for how many times, like the 18th time in his career. <laughs> There's a reason Drake sang six man like Lou Will. Like that guy is just the, like the perfect definition of the player you want in the six man role. So, sure. you know, it, it's a tough, it's a tough award to give out Harold Lou Williams and Schroeder, any one of them can win it. And I wouldn't be upset. I think it should be Schroeder, but it could be any of the three and I could see it happening. Yeah. One guy I, I gave consideration to that. I didn't really think was going to be in there. until I looked it up two guys, actually Derek Rose, like, so he's fourth on the odds list for six man, yeah. but like, like well, I'm saying, like, he, like his case is pretty good. Schroeder's third in odds at plus 250. Derrick Rose is fourth at plus 1,000. That's oh, the biggest crap. the gap yeah, between them yeah, and the yeah. betting odds right now. Like, it's not it's even close. And you know another guy I considered, too, that I, when I took a look at this? Dude, Norman Powell. Well, I think we all forgot how good Norman Powell has been this year. Like, he ha- so he had that good. That's what it is. He had those games. He had that stretch after he picked up Fred Van Vliet's kid and got the powers that came with it, just like Fred did in the playoffs. <laughs> Um, and, and he played unreal for that stretch of games. Then he got hurt. Then he came back, played another great stretch and then got hurt again. I don't think he's played that. He didn't start off the season as strong as he got into it. So I, that's why I agree with you in a sense that he could be a candidate if he had that way the whole, the whole season, but he didn't. So I I don't Mm -hmm. know too much. Can I just give you the stats on Norm Powell real quick? Because I think like when I, when I looked at this, I was shocked. Okay. He's averaging 16 a game, right? 16 a game. He's averaging 50%. He's 50% from the field. He's 40% from three on 54 on, sorry, on 5.4 attempts per game. His true shooting is at 63 on 21 usage. Like, holy crap. Like, dude, he has been so good. And I didn't even realize how good he's been this year. Derek, I could be wrong, but didn't he start a lot of those games when he came back because of injuries to Fred Van? I'm thinking Kyle Lowry too got hurt. Kyle Lowry got hurt. And and I know Powell started a lot of those games when he played like that. That's why I don't know if he qualified for six man. Uh, Fair. I didn't, I didn't think about that, but I still, you know, he played 44 games. I, I still think, and I think that um, he, his injury Cohen might've coincided with that of Van Vliet's at the same time. So Mm -hmm. I think he's still coming off the bench more than he's starting. Um, I, th- I think he's still in that six-man range. But, okay, fair enough. It's not like he won it for me, but I just, like, you, I think of Powell right now as a six-man given the fact that Lowry and Van Vliet are the starters. And I was just so surprised to see his case when I started looking it up. That's all. Not that I had him, you know, anywhere yeah, high or anything. Of, of course, but I just, I, just wanted to, I just wanted to bring him up because I thought it was – So, uh, so he's, he's, played, he's played 44 games. He started 23 of them. Oh, he just missed it. So he he just missed it. He just, <laughs> just missed it. it. He okay. just misses the cut. Okay, my bad. Uh, still though, was real surprised to see Norm Powell. Um, but yeah, okay, fair no, enough. Good for Powell. And you know what? You're right. You can't take away from the fact that he had that stretch there. Where he was putting up over 20 points a game. Like he he definitely deserves some credit for the year he's right. having. Yeah. All right, cool. I'm just trying to get uh, Nick back on here. He's gonna try to get on his phone. Oh, his, he told me his internet is completely down. Yeah, okay, I know. Well, he, so it's tough. We'll see if he gets back in the conversation. If he does, we'll figure it out. If not, the show must go on, like they say. Right. So I, I agree. I, I feel for the guy. All right, let's do coach of the year, and then let's, right. uh, let's go back to, uh, to all – or sorry, to All-NBA to end this thing. I hope we can get, we can get Nick on for All-NBA because I want to hear that. Um, okay, coach of the year. I had Nick Nurse. I got Nick Nurse. Nico? <laughs> Nick Nurse is going to win the award. Let's be real. It's a yeah. runaway show. Who do Nick you Nurse got, though? Award. 
If, if I want to play the argumentative card, I think you can make an argument for two other coaches. Me too. Uh, the, one with, the one with less of an argument, I'd say, is Taylor Jenkins, who Nick brought up earlier, the coach of the Memphis Grizzlies. That team has been a completely different culture. They have done so many good things this year with the talent that they have. It's been very impressive. I have him as third on my list. Uh, second on my list, and who the only one I think could rival Nick Nurse, is Spolstra. The things he has oh, done with the Miami oh, Heat. Talk this to me. Year, talk to me about Spolstra. The things he I has done that. with the Miami Heat team this year that's taken undrafted rookie Kendrick Nunn, that's taken rookie Tyler Hero, that's taken all these players and gelled them so well from the, from the start. They've been gelling like a gorgeous team going like that. And Spolstra gets overlooked so many times as one of the best coaches in the NBA. Because when they had the big three, everyone said it's all LeBron, Wade, Bosch. You don't need a coach. Spolstra is a great coach. And he's he done is. some wonderful things with this Miami Heat team. Sure, they have Butler, but they're a fantastic team. And Spolstra deserves a lot of credit for that. I agree. Hey, we, we got Nick back? It, it looks like he's trying to get in there. There, there we go. Is. Yo. There we go. You, it's all right. Yeah, I'm on, down, on my much. phone now. So. You, did, you didn't miss much. We were just uh, talking about Norm Powell's case for six man of the year. And then we found out he played 23 out of 44 games and he just missed the cut. So you really didn't miss much. Like literally cool. didn't miss nothing. Um, I'm so sure Alex touched upon the good Harold points anyway. So. Yeah, he did. He yeah. did. He made, he did make some uh, very valid points. We are on to coach of the year. Now, who is your coach of the year? Uh, I got Nick nurse, but Jenkins oh. is a close second. Yeah. So that's what Nico said as well. Um, let's, let's just talk about Nick nurse for a second. Um, Nick nurse, I think right now, and you might sound crazy, has one has a case as one of the maybe the best coach in the NBA. Um, I know his his sample is not that big, you know, his only one championship. I get that, um, all all that stuff. You obviously need to see more, but think about the creativity of Nick Nurse, the ability to say, okay, I'm going to think outside the box. How about a box in one? You know, how about a triangle in two? How about we switch everything on this night where we need to? Or how about we get the ball out of Harden's hands and trap him and, you know, try to make somebody else beat us? How about we, you know, play drop coverage on uh, this night? This guy is a defensive chameleon. He can literally take his defensive pieces and say, we are going to play this style on this night because of this, uh, because of, you know, this opponent. There is no other coach in the league that has the teams trained to be able to play all these styles of defense that Nick Nurse is be able to do, has been able to do is some of it because he has good personnel like Marcus Sol, like Siakam, like Ananobi, like Kyle Lowry that can switch. Yes, that does have something to do with that. I'm not going to lie, but to say that Nick Nurse is not one of the most innovative coaches in the NBA, I think would be an absolute lie. Uh, on offense, he still has that team running at an above average rate. They're the number two defense in the NBA. And it's a lot of because of what Nick nurse has done. If you remember back to Dwayne Casey, Dwayne Casey was supposed to be the defensive coach. He was supposed to be the guy that had this defense at performing at a top level. And Nick nurse was, you know, so-called like the offensive coordinator. If you want to do the NFL NBA comparison or whatever. Now Nick nurse has taken that defense to be better than what Dwayne Casey made it like that. There's something that has to be said for that. And it's consistent happened last year, happened this year. And the change in personality lost Danny green, who's, you know, uh, you know, almost a perennial all defensive guard and Kawhi Leonard is one of the best defensive players in the league. Lost those two guys and says, all right, no, no, no problem. We can still make this defense one of the best in the league. And he has for two years in a row. And a lot of it is because that he's willing to switch up his coverages on a night to night basis based on who's playing. And I don't think a lot of other coaches are willing to do that or any coaches are willing. No, my, my argument for Nick Nurse not winning it, because I feel like everyone's saying Nick Nurse is going to win it, myself included, but 
to, to play devil's advocate, my argument for him not winning it, and I believe he will win the award, and a lot of American media will see him and what he did with losing Kawhi and losing Danny Green and giving it to him. But from a Toronto Raptors fan perspective, we knew this team was going to be good even without Kawhi and I Danny I guess that's Green. true. We knew Siakam would step up. We knew Lowry would still be here. We knew Van Vliet. We knew Ananobi would help out on the defensive end as well. We knew this team was still good in a weak Eastern Conference. We knew they had what it takes to be top three. They're second. Um, arguably them in Boston, you know, flip through. Who do you, who do you think is better? It could go either way. They have the better record right now. They're second. But so my argument against Nick Nurse would be he didn't he's, – he's still great, but this team is a fantastic team too. It's got tons of talent. When you look at guys like Taylor Jenkins taking Memphis um, to what they, what they were, it's just insanely good. It's so good, and it, it, normally it would deserve a coach of the year because normally the best coach in the NBA doesn't get coach of the year. Or else Greg Popovich um, would have. Did last Greg, well, last year. No, no, last no I'm, year. I'm, I'm saying usually they don't. Or else Greg Popovich no, would, have, would, have, would, have 10, would have 10 coach of the years. Fair enough. So, I have a this point, though, for Nick Nurse, though. Last year, if Dwayne Casey was still the coach, we made a trade for Kawhi, whatever. Would Dwayne Casey win with the Raptors no. with Kawhi Leonard? I don't, I, I don't know. So. I don't know. We'll never know, but oh, man, that's, that's. It's tough. It's tough. You never know. No, what Nick Nurse is yeah. doing for the Raptors is no, it's great, man. Yeah, it that's that's a that's a good word, Shoulda. Um, you know, I actually didn't have Taylor Jenkins in my top three. Sounds crazy, I know. Uh, I had Bud second, I and had Bud second. I actually had Billy Donovan third. I mean, let's face it when we when we looked before the season started, where did people have OKC? I mean, in a very similar position to Memphis, I, I saw the beginning of the year, 0.1% chance to make the playoffs. 0.1. That's just crazy. stupid, though. Who 0. did that math? That's crazy. ESPN. That's crazy. ESPN did that math. That, that explains it. If they, uh, well, every, every team also had the Raptors not even making the playoffs half the time. Exactly. So, well, I mean, that, we that, was, really that was Sam Mitchell like, and Dennis uh, Scott. <laughs> so I don't want to rewrite history here. But, um, but th- look, uh, I think the argument for Billy Donovan uh, is uh, very similar to the argument for Taylor Jenkins. Uh, yeah, Billy Donovan has a little bit more talent. I agree with that. But he also was able to maximize that talent. I think there's something to be said for that. There's a lot of misfit pieces on uh, – on OKC, you know, three point cards. How the hell is that going to work? Oh, well, turns out it could be the best clutch offense in the NBA. Uh, you know, we've got, you know, Steven Adams and Erlens Noel. Oh, yeah, we can make that rotation work. And we can even sprinkle a little Mike Muscala in there. Oh, who the hell was going to get anything out of Lugens Dort or any of these guys, right? Like, what about Terrence Ferguson? Oh, somehow he's shooting the ball better this year. He never shot the ball well. All of these things have come together so, so good. So good, in fact that currently as it stands today and we're assuming the season ended today OKC had the same record as the Houston Rockets Rockets and they have the tiebreaker so they have a better record than the Houston Rockets like you know you're going to tell me none of that is coaching giving the pieces that they had i think that i think you would be foolish to think that i don't disagree like it's some to do with coaching for sure but yeah it's a lot of like i think they're i mean it comes down to the coaching too the player development's been great for sure yeah. player development there has been good um, not to take away from Billy Donovan, but you know, he's been lucky as well to have a resurgence, Chris Paul. You could say that's up to Billy Donovan as well. I don't know if it is, but Chris Paul has been playing back to uh, the level he played years before when he, um, he looks like he, he's found his love for the game again. Maybe it just was him and Harden didn't mesh well. I don't know what it was, but he looks like he's truly back to his old self. So that's, that's another reason Oklahoma's doing as well too. I, I'm sticking with Spolstra. 
I mean, that Miami team is a great team. They played really good basketball. They play really nice to watch basketball, which is a nice change of pace when you look at teams like the Houston Rockets, who I'm sorry, I can't stand watching them. Um, so it, it, to me, I think Spolster deserves a little credit here as well. Um, but again, I think we're all unanimous that this is Nick Nurse's award to win. Right. I agree. All right, Nick, I'm so glad you made it back just in time for NBA, all NBA. Uh, this is our last category here. We're going to go through this. Okay, so the way I did All-NBA was I picked a group of players, and I'm going to list them off. Uh, and uh, these are all the guys that were in consideration for the award. Okay, not all of them. Obviously, we have to have some cuts. But here's the group of players I chose from. So if you didn't make this list, you weren't even in the, you weren't even in the, in the discussion for me. Okay, you guys ready for this? Yep. Okay. Let's go. Harden, Doncic, LeBron, Giannis, Leonard, Davis, Jokic, Gobert, Mitchell, Morant, Lillard, Booker, Walker, Embiid, Simmons, Westbrook, CP3, Tatum, Middleton, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, Siakam, Lowry, Beal, Trey Young. Did anybody have or consider any names that weren't on that list? Yes. Yes. Go ahead. Uh, I, I couldn't – I don't – listen, I, at the same time, I missed a few of your names. Did you have Middleton or Bam Adebayo on there? I was going to say, did you have Middleton or Bam? I had, yeah. middle, I had Middleton on that list. I did not have Bam Adebayo on that list because uh, I considered him – well, either way, if you want to consider him a forward or a center, um, it was going to be hard for him to make it in either of those spots, and I didn't even want to – you know, I guess I considered him. Okay, I didn't put him on the list, but I definitely thought about Bam for sure. But he was, he was cut out very quickly. We'll put it like that. But put it this way, you're get, there's we, like we were talking about earlier. There's not too many good pure fives right now. I know he's not a pure five, yeah. but he classifies as a five. So you wouldn't even consider him for any of the three teams. There's like, three. There's three center spots, and the three center spots were pretty clear, uh, in my opinion. And if you didn't beat any of those guys, well, then you got cut pretty quickly because so, it's, it's the least amount of spots on the All NBA teams. Yeah. I'm excited to hear your three centers because I was arguing between Bam and Embiid as my third team center because I classified Anthony Davis as one. I know you didn't classify Anthony right. Davis, so I'd love to hear who your third, who your third center is. Because to me, the three best peer centers would be Jokic, uh, Bam, and, uh, and Embiid. So after those three, I'd love to hear who you're putting in, unless it's maybe going I have there. another center. I have another center between all of you guys. I think Whiteside, man. Ah, oh, I, I didn't even, I didn't even consider points. I didn't even consider more points in Bam, yeah, more rebounds in him, more blocks in Bam. He's doing his job at the center. Portland's having not a bad season. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the problem with Whiteside. I'll tell you the problem. I'll tell you the problem with Whiteside. The problem with Whiteside is very similar to the problem with Mitchell Robinson. Whiteside jumps at absolutely everything. Everything, dude. He jumps at everything. You look at his foul rate. You look at how many times he jumps for a block and is way out of position. Uh, you look at his motor, which is absolutely not there whatsoever. It's actually, you know, the thing with Whiteside is it's, it's all the, the places that don't show up, show up in the stat sheet where he's just awful to be. Terrible. Sure. Just yeah. So yeah, but if you're like looking at 100 with you. Fouls, Whiteside averages 32 minutes. Van averages 34 minutes. It's like they're on the court the same, and Whiteside averages – Whiteside's numbers are better, and Van plays more minutes than him. Whiteside has more points, more rebounds. Bam, just, Bam, Bam's, also on the fourth, Bam's also on the fourth place team in the East, and Whiteside's team's not even in the playoffs. And Bam is the That's third option, reason. debatably. You could say he's the second. But. Uh, and same, I, thing, same thing with Portland, though. CJ and uh, Damon. Yeah. So I'll, I'll reference one thing I heard from Alonzo Morning one time that really classified uh, exactly uh, what it's like for centers and blocks. And this is not universal, but I thought this was a very good point. 
Alonzo Mourning once said that, like, when his blocks would go down from season to season, he said, that means I'm actually doing a really good job. It's because people aren't even thinking of challenging me anymore at the rim. I'm not blocking as many shots because people aren't even coming my way anymore because they know that that, that, that shit is going to get swatted out of the arena. So that's True. kind of – and not to say that a lot of blocks is bad. That's not what I'm getting at whatsoever. But no. in this case, when we're talking about Whiteside and all the intangibles and stuff that I talked about, the fact that if I saw less – blocks from Whiteside, I'd be more encouraged because it's that it would be it would mean more that he's changing more shots instead of just jumping at everything. And that's a lot of the reason like look at Mitchell Robinson, how many blocks he has. There's a reason he's not even in the consideration as one of the best defensive centers, uh, you know, in the league. And it's because of all the stuff that doesn't show up in the stat sheet that really hurts him. And I think Whiteside falls into that category. For sure. Opinion. I'm with you. On paper, yeah, you could maybe have an argument for Whiteside, but when yeah. you actually watch them yeah, like you said, Whiteside bites at everything. Like and every. he gets caught out of position uh, a lot of times. Um, okay, uh, did anybody have anybody else uh, outside of that list? I think we're good, right? Uh, I, I think oh, we're wait. Good. Let, I, sorry, go ahead, Nico. I was going to say, I think we're good. Let's go to the first. Let's start going through our first teams. If you had someone, leave it for a surprise when you read off your third team name. Okay. I know he's going to be on the third team because there's no way anyone on that list isn't on the first two teams. <laughs> well, one of the guys that he's not on my third team or my first or second team. Just, did you have Simmons in the question? I know his offensive yeah, numbers. I, I, yeah, he was, in the, he was in the group to consider. Okay. okay. So we just want to go – do we want to just go through first team, second team, third team, or do we want to go through first team guard, second team guard, third team guard? How do you want to do this? I think uh, we do all first, all second. Go, go through your whole first, go through second, then we go through yeah. third. Okay, right. so I'm going to go through my first team. You guys let me know if you have anything different. I've got Harden and Doncic as my guards, LeBron and Giannis as my forwards, Jokic as my center. I'm with you on all those. Yeah, 100%. I am completely different than you on all those. Wow. Okay. Uh, you, go, you got me for a second. Because okay. I'm serious. And the, and the reason why is because oh, AD, right? I, I'm playing a different role. You're playing the strict. If you're going to be a center, you have to be a center. If you're going to be a guard, you have to be a guard. I'm playing the NBA media who actually vote for these awards. And I believe that Kawhi will be picked as a guard for an NBA team because he has played guard this year. And I have in my first team, Kawhi and Dame as my guards. And I have LeBron, Giannis, and Anthony Davis uh, in the first team Holy shit, so you are totally different. Okay. Anthony, Anthony Davis at center, Giannis and LeBron at the forward spots. I think that's a lock. Kawhi at guard and Damian Lillard at guard. Hasn't Paul Damian George Lillard... been the guard though? Hasn't Paul George been the guy That's at shooting guard? Paul, Paul George didn't play the first like two months of the season. But is it, it wasn't it wasn't it Landry Shamit that filled in at shooting guard and Kawhi uh, at the three uh, for a little? But Kawhi has played a lot of guard this year. If you even look on his thing, he's a guard forward. Okay. Okay. I'm telling you right now, they'll be able to vote for him at guard, and that's how they'll get him on the first team by putting him up at guard with with. I, listen, I put Dame. I can 100% see Doncic. I can see Harden there as well. I put Damian Lillard personally. I just think Damian Lillard is having a crazy good season. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the league. He's the best leader in the league. That's why I put him on my first team. But there's argument there. But I that's how I see Kawhi is going to get on the first team is by putting him at guard because he deserves to be on the first team. Just like Duncan in 2012, he wasn't a center, but he deserved to be on the first team. They they vote him in as a center. Kawhi will get the guard spot. AD will get the center spot as well and be on the first team. Okay. I actually, um, I don't know if I'm ready to argue that even if I consider Kawhi a guard that I'd have him over Doncic or Harden. I, I'm leaning that way. I'm leaning that way, but I could be convinced otherwise, but that's just because I had Kawhi as a forward. 
Um, right. So that's that that's yeah. that's what changes. That's what changes. That, that's me. that's how I knew it wouldn't even be on your table because you weren't considering it. Same with AD at center, right? It's just you weren't even considering those. That's why they're not there. To me, that's how the first team I think will shape up. Just because I know the way the NBA media votes, right? They want to give the people they want in, no matter how they got to do it. They got to flex the rules, even though Ka- Kawhi's only played a few games or a few minutes at guard. If they can do it, they'll do it. Interesting. Okay. Um, sure. Uh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, I, I guess we don't have anywhere to go, right? Like Giannis, the MVP, LeBron, runner-up, MVP. Doncic, you know, captaining one of the best offenses of all time. Harden is just Harden. We know how incredible he is offensively. It's not even close. And I guess the only really thing that people would be probably considered was Jokic as the first team. Like he started out slow to start the year, but really started to turn it on as the years yeah. went on. He had an incredible January and February, um, really got back into Jokic form. We know how good he is, right? Like he's like one of the only guys that you throw it to and he's your offense. Just passing off him is your offense. You cut, you know, with Murray, with Harris, with all those guys, all those guys benefit um, just because Jokic is such a damn good passer. He's an underrated scorer. He's a 20 point per game scorer and does it out of the post in crazy unorthodox ways. Like the way he scores, I don't think anybody in the like in recent memory scores the way he scores like opposite foot, like one legged floaters, like just like crazy slow drop steps that somehow turn into buckets. Like it's just, it's just insane. He's a sloppy looking player. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. But like, but, and he's not so, even in shape half the time, and he's still dominating. Like, imagine if the guy was in shape. Yeah, but so if Dude, Davis, if Davis is considered so a center, if if Davis is considered a center, who do you take on your first team? Well, I'm probably going Davis. I'm probably Davis. going Davis. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, okay. I'm probably going Davis, but I had him as at the four, and you know, we said this off camera. I think. Um, I think the way we did it, and again, we don't have second spectrum synergy or cleaning the glass. So we don't have like any of these advanced ways to track these minutes and stuff like that. But, you know, Dwight Howard was playing 19.2 minutes per game and JaVale was playing like 16.8. And so for the combination of those is about 37 minutes per game. You assume that, uh, you know, none of those three play together, uh, obviously. And you assume that Davis will play center. You got to remember that's per game that they've played, right? Dwight Howard hasn't played every game for the Lakers. Um, you know what I mean? Like it's it's, that's that's the games of games that they've actually played. True. That's fair. But given the minutes just to be given the minutes distribution, I think it's, I think it's pretty fair. I'm pretty sure JaVale has played every game and Davis has missed some time too, uh, as well. Um, so that impacts his amount of center, center minutes as well. Um, so, I mean, if you want to consider him a seven, that's fine. He's best when he closes at center for the Lakers. There's a reason he closed that center for the Lakers because that's their best lineup. That's my best argument for Davis as a center, but you play most of your minutes at power forward. I'm making you a power forward. And, and I know we don't have those stats sites to look at, like you mentioned, Derek, but neither do 85% of the people that actually vote on this stuff anyways use fair. those sites. So I don't think there's much worry about missing out on those. Okay, yeah. fair, fair. I don't disagree. Hold on, was, so, was, was everyone's first team the same for you three? Yeah. Yeah. Harden, yeah. Doncic, LeBron, Giannis, Jokic. Yeah. Dame was close. Dame right there man he was right there yeah uh so nico sorry can you state your uh, first team one more time so we have it yeah so my first team again was anthony davis at center Giannis and lebron at the forwards Kawhi and dame at guard okay awesome so let's go to the second team here uh, anybody else want to start on their second team i can do my team all right nick go ahead whoever wants to go all right nick take it me yep Okay, I got AD at the forward, Kawhi at forward, Dame at guard, Westbrook at guard, and Embiid at center. I'm almost the same as you. Alex, what do you got? I'm almost. I got, I got Kawhi Davis, same as you. I got drumming second. Drumming second, just because Embiid missed a lot of games this year. 
I just no, it's fair. And Drummond, yeah. And then I got um, I got Damien and I got Beal. Okay, I like I like the Beal pick. Um, Beal didn't I'm, didn't make my team. Um, so Nick, I'm pretty much the same as you. Um, but I got CP3 instead of Westbrook. Okay, yeah, CP is on my third team. So. I am completely different than everyone. Okay, I love it, Nico. <laughs> Fire away. So at center, of course, then my first team is Jokic, obviously. Doncic and Harden, since they were in my first team, they're my guards. And my forwards are two picks that I haven't heard yet, unless I misheard. Uh, Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum. They're both my third team forwards. <laughs> they're, 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 on my second, they're on my second team. Uh, Butler, Tatum, I'm su- I've thought, has had an amazing year on a great team. He definitely deserves to be there. He's the best player on that team right now. Um, Kemba, Kemba's great with them. They have a lot of good pieces, but that's Jason Tatum's team moving forward. He's been playing great. I think he deserves to be on this spot. Same with Jimmy Butler. He's been having another great year, uh, especially defensively for that Miami Heat team and helping take on a leadership role with a bunch of their young guys there. I think he's done a great job, and that's why Butler's on my second team as well. Wow, that's, that, that's, in, that's interesting. You know, I like that you went a different way with it. Again, mine was Lillard, Chris Paul, Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, uh, Joel Embiid. Again, that's the difference is Nico is just or the positional classifications, exactly. uh, which is which will mix things up. Um, I'll just go through mine. You know, Lillard. I don't think everybody anybody has an argument with Lillard. This guy's just been dominant. Like he was really close for first team for me. Like it was it was for real sure. Close. He just missed out first team. Yeah, he he, yeah. he was he was that good. If the Blazers were any better, I think I'd probably had him made. first team. Um, you know, I think that, th- I think the thing people, most people will disagree with me here is the Chris Paul over Russell Westbrook for second team. Um, I think, yeah. you know, it was really close for me, you know, the rock counting stats, obviously, you know, go to Westbrook, but you just look a little deeper. Westbrook is taking 10 more shots than Chris Paul per game. Um, that's obviously got to be factored in Chris Paul, obviously more efficient than Westbrook. Um, you know, they're averaging the same amount of assists, but Paul has, you know, twice as few turnovers. And the thing about Westbrook, why I had trouble putting him on the second team is because, out of any of these players, I don't think any organization has catered to a star as much as they did to Russell Westbrook. And let me say, let me uh, explain what I mean by that. When Westbrook started the year, everybody remembers he was awful. Westbrook was just bad. Like he wasn't even he wasn't even all star. People were saying he Westbrook's not even an all star this year. They were that that bad. And the reason was because is you know Westbrook's jump shot has just disappeared. It has just absolutely gone. I don't know where it's gone but he's basically become closer to Ben Simmons than he has Russell Westbrook. Like he's attacking the basket relentlessly, but the only reason he's able to do that is because one, he's been gifted basically a advantage because the teams have double teamed Harden. They've basically gifted Westbrook a four on three advantage because they're double teaming Harden. We're giving Westbrook the ball and say, okay, go attack a four on three. I don't know of any other all NBA player or even all-star that has that advantage where I can just play four on three, almost every offensive possession. And the other thing too is, is even that got to be too much. So the the Rockets had to trade a first round pick and Clint Capella to bring in Robert Covington, just so they could get only one non-shooter on the floor instead of two, because, you know, obviously Capella, a non-shooter Westbrook, now a non-shooter, their system doesn't work with two guys who can't shoot on the floor. The spacing is all messed up. So the Rockets literally. That's not the only reason they made that trade though. I know it's one of the reasons, but that's not the only. So what was the, what was the other reason then? Well, one, I think Capella's four year deal is one thing too. They didn't want that four years of making, I think he's around 18, 19 million a a year. That was a solid deal. Okay. Continue and the way they play they play so like the just the style of play Covington fits so much more to that team than Capella but 
I mean, the main reason, like you said, was to make sure well, they have don't have. But now they, but now they've gone all eggs in one basket. I, you know, when I, CP3 I was there, when CP3 was there last year, they didn't have to play that way. Capella was just fine, and they had one of the best offenses. And in 2017-18, they had one of the best defenses. So you take that same player I'm putting him up against, and understanding that now, okay, maybe it was a little bit of the Capella contract. I tend to disagree with that. Uh, with that theme, that and they wanted Capella's help on wing contract. D too. Covington gives them wing D help too. So. Yeah, for sure. He de- he definitely does. But I think a lot of the fact is that you can't have two non-shooters on the floor. And the fact that they invested a whole first-round pick and trading away, you know, their center, who has worked for them the past two years, to be able to cater to Russell Westbrook, I think has to be factored in. It has so, to be factored so in. So I, I agree with Derek. Uh, I don't even have Westbrook making any of my All-NBA teams this year. There you go. I, I do agree with you. I think Chris Paul leaving Houston was the nail in the coffin for Capella as well. Um, the reason Capella played so well the past two years was because Paul was there, in my I opinion. Agree. Yeah. Um, so with, with Chris Paul gone and Russell Westbrook in, Capella didn't fit the system. And I agree with Nick that the contract was too much. He had to go. Fair enough. Uh, so I got Kawhi Leonard uh, as my forward. Um, I think that's mm, you know, pretty obvious. Anthony Davis as my forward. That's pretty obvious. And uh, I went Embiid. Uh, I still think Embiid has been pretty good. You know, the Sixers yeah. are still a top defense, and Embiid's a big part of that. I know Simmons For sure. I'm with you there. would probably be on an all-defensive team this year because of his work. And, you know, it's been a down season for Embiid, no doubt. But if I'm considering Davis a power forward, there's no real other contender that's going to really – uh, you know, take his spot. I don't think Gobert had been better than Embiid this year. You know, Towns started off ridiculously hot, but, you know, it's cooled off. I don't think you can put him ahead of Embiid either. And, uh, you know, Bam Adebayo, maybe he has a conversation, but again, I just don't think he's been as good defensively as Embiid and the offensive impact for Embiid is just much, much stronger um, than... My, um, my, strike, my strike against Embiid is that Embiid's missed 20 games. Yeah, his durability is the big he, question. He's, he's, missed, he's, sure. he's missed 20 games. In an 82-game season, missing 20 games isn't that bad. In a 60-game season, missing yeah. 20 games is a significant amount for me. Fair that's enough. And life. so the only, so yeah, no, I, te- I do tend to agree with that. I think I put a little more weight in missed games with All-Star because I think when it comes to All-NBA, we, we tend to look at that with a little bit more weight when we look back in history than an all-star. So I just want to be sure that when we do all NBA, we get the best 15 players. Um, You know what I mean? Because I just don't want a few missed games to, you know, really hamper who, when we look back, who was the best player that specific year, when we know it had that player played their amount of games, there was most likely going to make a team over the player who was, uh, you know, there more often. I get it. Availability is a, is a skill these days and all that sort of stuff, especially with the load management stuff. But uh, I don't know. I, there was nobody on my teams, although one was close, that um, missed too many games uh, for me to consider. But uh, yeah, again, Lillard, Paul, Leonard, Davis, and Bede was my second team. Yeah. I mean, I think that was a pretty much a consensus with most of them with all the different players. It's all, it's all whether they fit in the first, second or third teams. We're getting over an hour here. So maybe we should get to our third team. Now I'm very interested to see, to see who Derek has a center on his third team. Um, <laughs> Cause I know, I know it's not Bam because he said at the beginning, it's not Bam. So I'm kind of curious to see who the center is on his team. It'll be Gobert probably. Right. That's who I'm, that's who I'm thinking too. So my third team was, I got West, I got Westbrook at guard. Uh, I still have to give some credit to the fact that he's become more self-aware this year. And the fact that he's abandoned the jump shot because he knows he can't shoot, which at least mm-hmm. that is better than just being damaging by shooting shots. He knows he can't shoot. So I got Westbrook on my third team. Uh, I got Paul George as the other guard on my third team. Uh, and my two forwards were Chris Middleton, Pascal Siakam, and yes, my center was Gobert. Okay, I'm way different. Oh, I love it. Let's do it. 
on different. I'm got a forwards Tatum and Butler, so the same forwards as Nico had on the second team. Interesting. Okay. Guards, I got CP and Trey Young. Okay. And then center, I got Bam. Oh, okay, cool. I like that. Uh, I want to ask your opinion on that in a second, Nick. Alex, what do you got? I got Bam center. Okay. I got Trey and Westbrook as my guards. Okay. And I got Butler and Siakam. Okay. If we're saying Trey, what is what's the problem of having Beal? Because I feel like Beal's such on a bad team that it, he has to do what he's doing. It, he's producing. He's averaging, I think, 30 points. Trey Young's averaging 30 points. Mm-hmm. So what is the difference of not having Beal as, on any of the three but having Trey Young? Well, well I, didn't ha- I didn't have Beal or Trey, so I'll like let these Beale other guys explain. So I actually have Beal on my third team. Okay. I didn't okay. have either, so I'll let okay. you guys go off about that. So, so, so my, my third team is actually a, kind of a mix of Derek's and Nick's. So I have uh, Chris Middleton and Pascal Siakam as my forwards. And I have CP3, Bradley Beal as my guards. And at center, I have Bam Adebayo. Um, again, ours are very different. Mine's very different than all you guys because I classified my positions differently. Um, but again, we've, we've hit most of the same players within these uh, three teams. The only ones that have yeah. been a bit different is me and Alex have Beal. Alex and Nick threw up Trey Young there at the end. Yeah. Um, I didn't hear Tatum on your list there, Derek. Not he's not on any of your teams. Oh, he was he, he was the last he team. was the last cut. He was the last cut. He didn't make my team. I got was, him. I, was, it was between was him Butler, and Siakam. Was Butler on any of your teams? I had not. Butler in my third. Butler in my third with Siakam. Ooh, no Butler, no Tatum. Got Siakam yeah, and Middleton. Man. So so I don't I don't have Paul George on mine. Same reason I don't have Embiid on mine. The guy's missed uh, over twenty games. I think he's missed exactly. twenty two games yeah. this year in a sixty game season. That's too much for me. I can't do that's it. That's fair. It's not a, that's I, not an I argument ra- thing. That's just a preference thing. Yeah, that's I, I can't I can't rationalize putting them on there. And to me, Beal missed the All Star game unfairly. He should have been on that team. Oh, um, so you know what? Give him a third team spot. He's put up the numbers for it. Yeah, it's been on a bad team, but he's done his best. He stuck it out. He's played hard. I'd reward him with an NBA All Star team. Yeah. So between Trey Young and Bradley Beal, um, I think they're. Ca- I mean, I didn't I didn't have either of them on any of my teams, but I think their cases are very similar. Um, both defensive liabilities that are just putting up offensive engine type numbers for their squad and they don't survive without them. Um, so I, I, I see the argument, uh, me personally, um, you know, again, none of, none of those teams are winning. Um, and I didn't have, uh, you know, I had Beal on my all-star team. Uh, I didn't have uh, Trey Young when I did it, but, uh, yeah, I guess I see it, but I guess, you know, me personally, you know, I had Westbrook and George, you know, George, obviously if we're going between, um, you know, all the guards to me, he's, he's still the, the best guard if we're classifying him by that. And I know the missed games is probably why you guys didn't have him, you know, on your squad, but then it just goes back to my, you know, my thesis of, you know, I, I prefer to have the best players on there as, uh, as, um, as opposed to just, you know, penalizing missed games, as long as there's not a ridiculously significant missed games, like under 50%. And George, I think played 65% of his team's games. Um, you know, Middleton, I think uh, most of us had here, 50 40 90 season like the, the minutes with him without uh Giannis have been like, pretty fantastic like uh it's it's hard for me to leave him off Siakam versus Tatum was the big debate for me like I went back and forth on that one for so long like for me it was between uh Siakam uh Tatum and Butler between those four or sorry between those three and I say okay who's the worst of these three if I had to pick well uh, I went with Butler as being the worst of the, uh, the worst of those three. And then if you look at the cases for Tatum and Siakam, they're very similar. Statistically, it's like almost identical. And so my tiebreaker was 
who's shouldering the bigger load offensively between the two. And I went with Siakam. Um, so, I think so that's, that's fair. Yeah. And I think, you know, defensively, they're about the same. I think, uh, you know, Tatum is very underrated defensively. I think off the ball, he's like really good in the passing lanes. He's right up, up there in uh, defensive block, box plus minus or whatever. Siakam's fantastic defender, just in a different way we know. So I just went with who's shouldering the bigger load, and I went with uh, Siakam so, as my so choice. So he, here's the big thing too, right? On my first team, I have AD as a center and Kawhi as a guard. That would open up two more forward spots if that was okay, right? So that's where Tatum and, and Butler would there fill in for you too. Yeah. My issue with, if, this, if we're talking the first two and a half months of the season, Siakam's on my second team, 100%. But when you factor in afterwards that, which he still had a lot of great games, but he's also had a lot of just okay games. You know what I mean? He he has, I don't want to say he slumped, because he's still been a very good player. He's on my third team. Like, he's still been one of the best players in the league. Mm -hmm. But he wasn't as explosive and as dynamic as he was at the beginning of the season, in my opinion, which is why Tatum and Butler edged him out. Uh, on my second team as opposed to third team. Siakam's yep. a very good player, and he'll still grow into more. I mean, he's only been playing basketball uh, for, what, six, seven years? Like, like the guy's That's still going to grow into a better player. Um, but I just think at afterwards, after the first few, few, first few months when um, uh, teams started playing him a bit harder on defense, he's kind of slipped a little bit, and Butler and Tatum, they, they've proven to me that they've had a better year than Siakam, in my opinion. I just got, I just got one question. Uh, who has CP3? Uh, Derek and Nick? I had, him, I had him on my second team, yeah. He was on, he was on my third team. Yes, correct. What was the difference for you to like Derek Nick that you had CP3 ahead of Bradley Beal? Was it the standings? Was that what like? Was uh, that the no, for, for me, all for the me, different things he does on the court. Yeah. He's more more versatile player, more diverse player. The record, but I mean, Beal and Young were close for me. Trey Young and Beal were close. That was closer to me than CP. CP was more clear cut. So the argument for CP, uh, obviously you look at Rob box score stats, you know, Beal's going to take him there. Um, the efficiency for th- CP three is higher defensively. He's miles better uh, than Bradley Beal. You know, CP three is guarding like threes and fours in some of these lineups, especially in the crunch time lineups. He's been the most clutch player in the NBA. He's been driving the growth of a lot of guys like Shea Gildress Alexander and Dennis Schroeder being better point guards. Uh, he's, you know, gotten the most out of, you know, Steven Adams and uh, Nerlens Noel. He's gotten he's, he, his ability to get shots for Danilo Gallinari and making him a better player is also has to be factored in. And, you know, just the fact that, you know, Chris Paul is the fourth leading scorer on the Thunder and he's still their best player. Like that's how like that's that that's all you need to hear from me about you, you how impactful he is. They they could have answered your question a lot quicker, Alice, because your question was, is it just a fact of records? And my answer is yes, a hundred percent it is. You're, as a point guard, as a point guard, your role, your main role is to make your teammates around you better. And Chris Paul does that way better than Trey Young, and he does that way better than Bradley Beal. And the record of the Oklahoma, Oklahoma City Thunder prove that. If if Bradley Beal's Washington Wizards were sixth or fifth in the East, I would say 100% Bradley Beal over Chris Paul the states right now. Just because you then you look at the external stats like your points, you're just all around going hard. In the, like, just Bradley Beal's a gamer. If he had these yeah. stats on a great team, I guarantee you he'd be looked at higher. But you look at okay. Chris Paul what he's done for the thunder that team looks like a completely different team than they did last year when they had westbrook at the helm right so but then again like like derek said he's the fourth top scorer on the thunder you got a lot of good players on that team a lot of good point guards on that team we talk about schroeder being six man a shy Gilgis plays the guard the guard role perfectly of with them as well so i mean that team's a good team chris paul makes his teammates better and their team is better which is why he gets the spot on my third team although although Beal's on my third team as well, but Trey Young's not there simply for the fact that Trey Young is, is a king of putting up pointless statistics. 
He's putting up hard, great. He's putting up great points and assists on a Ooh. shitty Hawks team. He's like Kevin Love in Minnesota. Kevin Ooh. Love put up great numbers, went to the Spicy. Cavaliers, and exposed. Kevin Love put up double doubles every year. Everyone talked to him as like he was the most underrated player. Then he went to Cleveland and he fit in as his role as a number two. Trey Young will never be a superstar and the number one guy on a good playoff team. Trey Young, Trey Young needs that fourth quarter 12. 15 points that he puts up when the other team has stopped playing because they've already blown out the Hawks. Trey Young is a great player. Don't get me wrong. He's a gamer, but the guy will never be that guy on a number one team and never on a top six in a conference team ever. Unless Dude, he's, he's like 25. I'm sweating. Well, no, no, sweating. you're right. You're right. I'm saying right now, the way he's playing, the way he plays games, when you actually watch him play, he doesn't do enough to get his team to, be, to the playoffs by himself. He needs a guy better than him to take the load and have him be the sidekick. And you watch, that's what will happen. He'll either go to a team or Atlanta will bring in a better player, and you watch. That's exactly what's going to happen. Disagree okay. I, 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 I might, I might be able to go another hour on that topic. So I'm just yeah. going to let that, that take make me sweat as it is right now because it was so hot, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. So I'll, I'll come collect in a few years when we all, when we all finally see who Trey Young really is. Okay. I guarantee you that Trey Young can be the best player on his team and his team could win. He just needs a guy around him that's – better than what he has right now but he john, can easily john be. collins is a great player he is for sure but he's, he's okay yeah john collins is a good player no doubt <laughs> i don't disagree with that you but. You, you, you put a and better then, point guard on that atlanta hawks team they're a lot you put i could probably name 10 point guards you put on atlanta and they're better than they are right now with trey young 10 that's one third of the nba oh man i have so much to say but i'm just gonna hold I it we're nearing the end okay um so let's just go through our, our all-NBA teams one more time. I'll do mine here. My first team, Harden, Doncic, LeBron, Giannis, Jokic. My second team, Lillard, CP3, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid. And my third team was Westbrook, Paul George, Chris Middleton, Pascal Siakam, and Rudy Gobert. Yeah, okay. So uh, my first team was Anthony Davis, Giannis Antetokounmpo, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Damian Lillard. My second team was Jokic, Doncic, Harden, Butler, Tatum. And my third team was Pascal Siakam, Chris Middleton, Bam Adebayo, Bradley Beal, and CP3. Alex, you want to go ahead or you want me to take it? Just, take go, it. just go ahead, Nick. Yeah, go, go ahead. All right, yeah. I got same first team as you, Derek. I got uh, Jokic at center. To uh, AD, or sorry, not AD, uh, LeBron and uh, Giannis at forward. Then guards, I got Doncic and um, Harden. Forwards on NBA second team, Davis and Kawhi. Guards, Dame and Westbrook. Center, Embiid. Third team, Tatum and Butler. Trey and Chris Paul. And center, Bam. But like I said, Beal was close for that third team over Trey as well. And Gobert, I considered. All right, I got... Uh... My first team, the guards, Harden, Luka, and I got Giannis LeBron, and then I got Jokic. Then I got Lillard and Beal, Davis, Kawhi, and I got Drumming. And then I got Trey and Westbrook, Butler and Siakam, and then I got Bam. All righty, man. This was fun. This was fun. I enjoyed doing it. I, like I, enjoyed def- doing it. I, I definitely needed this, this for this quarantine. That's good. Well, I, I, enjoyed, sure. I enjoyed doing this uh, with you guys. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to like, do another one. Maybe we'll have to like, pick a topic. Yeah, uh, next next week we could go into Trey Young versus the world. I'll take the side of the world. Oh my god! You know, I'm, I'll, I'll be. I would literally be prepared to do that because, uh, you know, honestly, uh, it's just for this year. Um, you know, Nico, the I was actually going to agree with you, and then you went just like way crazy. I because like I was I was gonna say, hey, if you take Trey Young away from the Hawks, where are they? 
Well, they're in the same place that they would they're be the without Trey. Exact same so spot. That's that's that actually, is a good argument. Actually, they, they, might, they might be they might be better depending who's playing points. Oh, we don't okay. know. Then can't you went worse. on this, but then like you went you said, on this. Derek, they can't like, be worse. But then you went on this rant of like he'll never be the best player on a good team and like all this like crazy nonsense like. Oh my God! Like we're, we just we just like took what he was doing and like threw it out the window. No, no, no. He's still good. But the reason you the reason I say like you take Trey Young off the Hawks and they're still in the same place is because it's not a testament to how good Trey or how bad Trey Young is in your case. It's a testament to there is literally nothing around him. Like I mean nothing, dude. They were playing Evan Turner at backup point guard when Evan Turner no, no. Went out, they played Cam Reddish. Trae and DeAndre Young. Hunter at backup point guard. Trae Dude, Young the minutes without player. Trae Young are friggin' insanely no, no, bad. No, no. Trae, so Trae, bad. Young, Trae Young is a good player. Don't get me wrong. All I'm saying, and I'm not saying he's a bad player by any means. He, the guy could put up, could score. He's one of the best pure scoring point guards right now in the league. And passers. All, all, and passers. Yeah, 100%. All I'm saying is he will never be the number one on a winning team. He won't. On a winning team. So you, when, you, you, when you say you winning, get, what is winning? Playoff. Playoff. A, a, a playoff team that could actually be a threat to win one series. Not the I, don't even say, I can agree series. with that. I can agree with that. I can agree with that. I don't even come close to agreeing with that. I'm with I Nick. With I, so you don't think he can be the best player on a playoff team that wins a series? So I think, he, I think his peak is being the best player on a Eastern Conference seventh seed. Oh. Yeah, that's what I think. Seven, like Orlando, maybe. Yeah, like an Orlando Magic type team, Orlando. like something like, like that type of style with Atlanta tools around him. My thing is, I don't see Trey Young making his team better. I don't. Okay, my stomach's about to go. He can he can get yeah, assists. That's... Don't get me don't get me wrong. He can get us. He can get the assists. But I mean, at the end of the day, these these uh... are all professional NBA players. If you get a pass and you're open to shoot, you better be making it, even if you're on the worst team in the league. You can get assists without making your team better. It's not hard. Because he averages like 10 assists, yeah. 30 points and averages 9.3 assists. Like, he's doing his job. Like, he's doing what he's supposed to do in the Hawks, but they're just... They're not, but they don't win. John Collins is a great second piece. I love John Collins. John Collins is a third piece on a good team. No, uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm John Collins is a third piece. Trey Young is a second piece. If they get a first piece, that Hawks team will be dangerous. Trey Young's a first piece. They need a second piece. I don't think so. They need a defensive wing. You 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 got to remember, how how many point guards are the number ones on their team, right? Very None rare. of them. None of Very them. Very rare. Though that actually win championships, there's been like four in the history of the league. But we're not talking about winning championships. We're talking about winning a first round series. That's why this is so astronomical. If you said Trey Young couldn't be the best player on a championship team, uh, like a team that wins a title, I'd say, yeah, sure. Like, do you know how high a bar that is? Like, there's only like two or three point guards that have ever done that. But when you said won't get at it, like a team that won't win a first round series in the East, no. in the East, oh, oh my he, God, he, he, I almost threw up. Who in the like, East last year? Who, who in the East last year won a playoff series with the point guard as their number one? All I can think of is Kyrie Irving on the Celtics. Uh yeah, that's that's true. But we're that's but it. we're making but we're making it seem like Trey Young isn't like one of the best point guards in the NBA. Like he just like, he he's is not. already, and he's like twenty. He's, he's not top ten. Not yeah. You can't you can't tell me ten point guards better than Kyrie or, or than Trey Young. I most definitely can, and we should do that next week, same time. Okay, yeah, that's a good teaser. <laughs> I like that. All right, guys, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so come, for coming on Crazy. to the Iso Ball podcast. We'll have to – yeah, I agree, Nick. We'll have to do this again sometime. I think this Trey Young topic is going to drive me off the wall, so we might have to do that. Um, but, yeah, thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate you guys doing the award stuff, and uh, stay safe during this quarantine. And, and uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, maybe we'll talk next week. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah, thanks for having us on, Derek. Appreciate oh, it. Thanks, oh, yeah. thanks, Derek. Thanks for uh, sending well, us a Zoom call here, Nico. And, Alex, thanks for being a, a first-time guest here. Hopefully, we'll have you on a little more, too. Oh, for sure, yes. All righty.
Take it easy, guys. Peace. Easy. See you later.